This is Daniel Blair. Let's take you down to the Moto X Pod podium. All right. This week on the uh, on the Cherby's podium, we have the one and only Chris Cooksey. Cooksey, what's up, dude? Dark side. What's happening? The one and only. The one and only. You're the well. one and only, man. Uh, well, I don't know, man. I think there's a there's a greater dark side out there. Probably there's the dark side of the moon. You know, uh, oh. Pink Floyd. There's dark side of the force. You know, I'm just I'm just dark side. No, dude. Supercross <laughs> pits when there's a long hair ponytail. Like one more time, man. You stick out. <laughs> Everyone knows who it is. Uh, appreciate it, man. Well, um, I've got you on the podium tonight, and your uh, your topic is your top three riders of all time. But first, um, you've got a, a new project you're kind of working on a little here and there. Why don't you tell us about it? I um, started a little. I started a podcast, which called Cooksey's Cliff Notes, and everyone's got all these different podcasts and all this detailed information. What I'm trying to do is say, hey, you know, if you haven't paid attention and you want to know what's going on, take 15 minutes, minutes and I'll get you caught up. So nice. That's, that's it. And, and how many of those have you done? You just told me about it today, so I didn't even realize you were doing yeah. it. I just started it. I just wanted to do something different than everybody else. Don't want to take a lot of time. I, I've done two. Uh, this, will, this week will be my third one. I'm okay. trying to just find my legs. So, uh, nice. Yeah, just get it going. And it's called Cooksey's Cliff Notes, right? It's on iTunes and uh, yeah, right, right. yeah, Cooksey's Weekend Cliff Notes. Awesome, so. awesome. I'm gonna check that out. Yeah, I haven't. You told me about it today. I haven't downloaded it yet, but I will. I'll probably listen to it while I'm mowing the yard tomorrow. So, we'll. Uh, I'll check yeah. it out. But um, well, like I say, if you're if you're looking for a real detailed breakdown, that's probably not where you're gonna get it. But it's just stuff for you know the casual fans yep. not paying attention just wants to know what's going on. I like so. it. It's a good idea, man. All right. Well, um, so let's get into your top three favorite riders of all time. Um, let's start with number three and tell us why. Is it me? What's that? Is it me? Of course. No. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be you know, sad. I don't, think that, I don't think we've ever ridden together. No, right. no, we haven't. I, I don't want to because you'll be like, this dude sucks. <laughs> no. Dude, I don't ride that hard anymore. But yeah. I have kind of to my style after this guy and I wish that I had a quarter of his talent or even less than that Jean-Michel Bale Ooh. do you remember him? oh yeah Before J- your time. Of course. no 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 that was uh, kind of when I was just getting into it he was a pretty big deal so like uh, 89, 90 were my first couple years of really kind of knowing what Supercross was for real yeah he was he was a bad dude I saw him at Anaheim Stadium yeah in fact in 89 is when he landed on the hay bale and did that big cartwheel at Anaheim and I had seen him a couple weeks before when the guys used to get ready. They would do Golden State National Outdoor Races yep. to get ready for Supercross. I remember and that. He came over and did like the first six races of Supercross, brought his brother, and he looked just like him. They didn't speak a lick of English. <laughs> yeah. And they're over there with all these Honda guys. And I'm like, what the? It was, it was pretty cool. Like he signed his autograph on my jersey, but he just put J.M. Bale. So I don't think he actually knew how to write Bale completely. <laughs> so. That's yeah, yeah, that's funny. I mean, I just remember him being so technically damn near perfect and smooth, and uh, you know, and I, what I remember is the U.S. crowd being so anti, you know, Frenchmen or or um, just whatever. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Anybody that came over that wasn't from the U.S., you know, and and I've talked to Marvin and Dylan Ferrandis about that, and they they had no idea the negativity he got from our American fans. Oh, it was bad. I mean, yeah. people booed him. They kind of 
kind of liked him in 89 when he first showed up. But as soon as he real, as soon as people realized, oh, this guy can actually beat our heroes, right? it, it changed, and it changed fast. But I, I just always loved his style. I loved his, his attitude. You know, a guy that, and then his career after that. I mean, he just went, he's, he was so big and so good. He went to Honda and said, you know what? I'm going to race MotoGP. Yep. And then they got a ride and did it. And did really good. So, yeah, yeah, he, that's yeah, uh, it'd be really cool if he would kind of like if you somehow we could get him to come back over, you know, at some point to do a just do anything, whether it be a, a vet national world vets at Glen Helen or just show up and in you know be an ambassador for you know French supercross or something. It'd be really cool to see him back over here again. Yeah, well, he came over after he cut done road racing and he was working with Tortelli for a little while, okay. And I guess him and Tortelli got into it, and he told Tortelli, you know what, I'm going to race the Nationals. Went to Suzuki, got a bike, and was going to race the Outdoor Nationals, but he tore his ACL when he was prepping. But, man, how great would that have been? That would be amazing. That that must have been in the time frame when I really wasn't following the sport, because I got hurt pretty bad in, like, early 96, and then I was out of it. I didn't really get back into it until, like, maybe a one, somewhere around there. I think it was 2000 when he did that. Okay, so because I remember Tortelli, but like I think he was, it just was an era where I kind of, when I got hurt and I quit riding, I didn't even want to watch racing on TV anymore. I just couldn't deal with it. So I kind of just totally got away from it for a while. But uh, yeah, that JMB was a bad dude. Well, um, all right, let's move on to number two. Mickey Diamond. Do you remember him? Hell yeah. He was uh, used to hang out with Nikki Six and Tommy Lee from Motley Crue. Yeah, you know, it's funny. He gets a lot of credit for that. He didn't really party as much as a lot of people thought he did, but right. he did look like a guy who could easily be in that band, no problem. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, Mickey's probably one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. He's so chill. Uh, and it's funny, people people talk about how the amateur system is. This dude was riding Husqvarna and riding Nationals, and Honda's like, hey, uh, you want to ride for us? And he wins two championships. I mean, it was just, it was pretty crazy how he got picked up. He, he wasn't a prodigy. He wasn't green. And it's just, it was a different time. Definitely a different time. And I actually met him that, that same year at 90 Anaheim. I have a, uh, just like a little scrap piece of paper signed by him because I didn't, ha- you know, they didn't have all the fancy, not everybody had all the big pictures and stuff like the teams do now. And I just, I had a bunch of scrap pieces of paper and went to the box vans and Mickey, Mickey signed it. So I still have that. I actually just looked at it a couple of days ago. Yeah. So 1990, he would have been on a Yamaha and wearing that pink answer gear. Is that right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. That was my first Supercross. So it's a little foggy, but that sounds right for sure. <laughs> yeah. He was a bad dude. And I got to race with Mickey in Supermoto. Really good at Supermoto. I remember that, man. Yeah, I, I still can't believe that Supermoto went away. That was such a cool sport, dude. It was fun. I really, really enjoyed it. Just, just kind of, there's just a combination of things. And I wish we could come back for older guys like us. That, yeah, you know, there's not near the pounding on your body as long as you keep it upright. Whereas like motocross, you know, you're just sore. Right, so. dude. I'll tell you what. That you just talk about being sore and all that. Like in the last few days, I got hurt Saturday, not riding dirt bikes, but I took a spill anyway, and uh, I have a little AC sprain. And man, it feels like my collarbone's broke. Basically, I'm. It's it's bad. It sucks. And I just like I'm so sick of this. I'm getting too old to be hurt. Yeah, you know, when I go riding, I ride like I'm on a, a street bike. I yeah. Know what about? 70% and leave 30% for oh shit. And <laughs> I, I really have nothing to prove anymore. I just have fun and I like to get a 
didn't work out, and that's pretty much where I'm at. Yeah. You're, you're still racing and stuff, though, right? Well, I, not really. I haven't even really rode since. Okay, I raced one time in, in January, but other than that, I haven't been on a bike since like October. No, no November, maybe. Um, my bikes have been down doing some repairs and I've been, you know, busy traveling and whatnot. And I think I've actually been contemplating since this injury on Saturday, maybe not race anymore, maybe just riding for fun and hanging out. And that's about it. Yeah, that's, that's what I do. I'll do a Grand Prix. Have you ever ridden a Grand Prix where they just do like the hour just nonstop? Those are, those are fun. They don't have those out here, but, uh, not that I know of anyway, I've never seen them out here, but I did. That's what I first started doing when I first started riding, out at like LACR and um, Sunrise in in Atlanta, we we did the Atlanta GPS or whatever, um, and yeah, it was like an hour ride. And then at the end of the day, we would do the team race, me and my dad, and we'd like switch bikes every lap. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that stuff was fun. I I definitely I've been considering trying to find some like cross country stuff and just do some things differently because, like I said, I don't I don't want to get hurt anymore. Yeah, and what I like about it this day and age is if I go to a motocross. Minute practice in the morning, and you two motos, and it takes quite a long time. Whereas the Grand Prix, I'll get a schedule. That class goes on at nine o'clock. If you want to get a couple laps before that, show up at eight, done by ten, and on your way home, and you got plenty of riding. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. That's I. I may be looking to change the way I ride. Um, you know, I want to compete, but I don't want to be hurt anymore. I just like I'm out of work for this week. You know, I can't. My job has no light duty, and I can't hardly lift my left arm, so they won't let me work, and it sucks. I mean, I have sick time. I have vacation, but still, I don't want to be sitting at home. I want to be doing something productive. Yeah, definitely. I hear that. So. All right, Cooksey. Well, let's uh, – first two picks were very good. I, and Surprises, I wouldn't have guessed them. So let's move on to number one. Let's see what it is. For decades, Acherby's has been the leader in moto plastic and accessories. With research and development, they continue to be on the top step of the podium each year. With products that fit perfectly, look amazing, and last, Acherby's is what you need. Acherby's is the proud sponsor of Factory Red Bull KTM, Factory Kawasaki, TLD KTM, and many more teams. If you're looking for full plastic kits, individual pieces, disc guards, chain guide sliders and blocks, frame guards, gear, or any other of the numerous products Acherby's offers, visit acherbysusa.com or call 1-800-659-1440 and Brian and the crew will take care of you. Make sure to let them know that the Moto X-Pod show sent you. The bad boy, Rick Johnson. <laughs> nice. Dude, I, I love that guy. I, I had a 1988 series. I had the red and, white, uh, red and blue half-half. I had my dad clean up a helmet before I was able to afford the, uh, the Rick Johnson replica. I even got two pairs of gloves so I could do the glove. And I begged my parents for boots so I could do the one red, one blue. Yeah, yeah. Nah, they, didn't, they never did it, but I wanted to so bad. And I, it was just too hipless a man. I mean, Rick Johnson said whatever the hell he wanted. Um, did you ever see the Rodeo Cup where he jumps and grabs the mic and just takes over? Yeah, yeah. yeah I just, I mean, it was a personality. Hey, hey Cooksey, your phone's breaking up a little bit. Oh, shit. How's that? Any better? Yeah, much better. Much better. Oh, yeah. But I mean, Rick Johnson, love him or hate him, I mean, he, he spoke his mind. He wasn't scared. I mean, he was wearing shorts over his, you know, over his riding gear. And, you know, he was a bad dude. He was just, he was just cool. And I followed him onto his truck career. And, you know, his motocross career got cut way short. I mean, that wrist injury was bad. And, you know, I wonder how many more years he would have dominated had that not happened. 
Yeah, because that was right around, right after that's when McGrath came in, right? And it started where Stanton was coming in. and But, um, yeah, I think he probably had another couple of years, at least two or three, if he had not had an injury and had to just bail. Yeah, the year that he hurt his wrist, he had started training with Jeff Stanton. Yep. And, and you know, remember his Brian Lewis's mechanic freak guy. I was like, what are you doing? Why are you showing this guy what you do and how to do it? <laughs> And he had won the first five rounds, and then Stanton won Atlanta. This RJ tucked the front, and then they went, and then Gainesville, and, and that was it. And he never really gained, regained his form. Right. You know? Yeah. But I have to think, had that not happened, he would have surely closed out that Supercross championship, and I think he would at least got one or two more big championships. I just can't see him not. Yeah, it's a, you know, this sport's brutal. You just, it, it can turn on at the blink of an eye, and, yeah, RJ is one of those guys, and he's such a nice guy now. You know, we've had him on the show, and every time I see him now at a race, he's just beyond friendly. And he always, he, you know, he's like, "Hey, come over to the house for a barbecue." That's what he told me the first time we interviewed him. And then I heard him tell somebody else that in another podcast. I think it was Ping's podcast. He's like, "Why don't you guys come over for a barbecue?" And I was like, "Oh man, he tells everybody that." Damn, I thought I was special. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, he, he's the man. I mean, for, for a long time, he dominated. He dominated in a weird way. He didn't do it the way you know, be or McGrath. He didn't have this new technique. He just, you know, he was just like a hammerhead, and he just did what needed to be done. And if a guy had a sore leg, he tried to run over his leg. <laughs> yeah. And, he, and he was like, and he was doing the thing. It was great. He's like, yeah. I remember him and David Bailey were in the booth when Bailey was a commentator, and you know he told Bailey, "Yeah, if you have a sore ankle, I have important practice." And the look on Bailey's face was like, <laughs> "Oh my God, wait, wait, you did that?" <laughs> right. It was. It was awful. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. And that's, that's how he beat a guy that was way more talented than him. You know. Well, yeah, you got to get kind of like, get in her head. Kind of like what Cooper Webb does. I tell you, <laughs> right. he, he's he's done that to Marvin this whole year. I mean, if you're going to beat me with talent, I'm going to run you off. And it, and, it, and it's worked. So yeah, you, you think he's going to close it out? Uh, I don't. I want to say yeah, but as unpredictable as this year has been, I don't know. But to see Cooper win this weekend and Eli have a horrible finish or sixth or worse, yeah, that, that could definitely happen. Yeah, um, for sure. Um, I think it's going to be pretty entertaining. I, I really feel like, you know, there's the mathematical chance he could wrap it up this weekend, but I don't see that happening. Yeah, I don't either. But if it happens, I wouldn't be shocked. Sure. I yeah. I mean, I'm most. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just saying, I'm most excited about this 250 class because we uh, or I interviewed Benny Bloss um, Tuesday night, and he said, "Hey, you guys." Like the the general public, the media may be really, really surprised at what they're expecting at Austin Forkner, what they're actually going to get. Basically, he's hinting at that Austin's not in as bad a shape as we think he may be. So, I mean, we still may have a hell of a battle for, toward toward the end for this East Championship. That'd be awesome. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't either. I just have you, have you had have you had a knee injury like that? The torn ACL. I mean, I've I've done it a couple times, and one time, one time I couldn't even walk, I couldn't move, and I couldn't imagine riding a couple weeks later. The other time, I never even fixed it, and it's fine. Right. Well, I uh, I texted him yesterday and asked if he would come on and talk about it, and he said, "Man, I, I'd rather not talk about it. Um, I just want to show up and show what I can do." So, you know, I don't know what that means. Uh, you know, and Benny might be just blowing smoke. You know, I mean, he, they train together, you know, with at Raynard's when they're training out there. And he may just be 
you know, blowing smoke, but we're going to find out in just a couple of days. Yeah, and, and maybe he is doing really well, but wait until he gets in traffic. Yep. Somebody run up on him. And I think Fortner's one of the baddest dudes. And I've heard people call him soft. I don't call him soft. I think he's one of the probably toughest guys out there. But can he tough through it? I mean, I guess if, if he gets through this, nobody can call him soft again, right? That's true, yeah. I, you know, and I always think when people say soft, it's more of a mental thing because he seems to break down and, and – throw a tantrum almost and i've talked to him about that too and I, you know he's done better this year but yeah i think if he comes out and you know even if he doesn't win the championship but he comes out and rides the next two rounds and actually pushes through then i i think he deserves some um some props for that you know to, to fight at least get a fighting uh finish yeah but hey speaking of my number one guy rick johnson yeah now if he's if he's chase sexton Guess what leg he goes for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I mean, it's just the way it is. So, yeah. yeah. Well, it's going to be exciting, yeah. man. I can't wait. So, but Cooksey, man, thanks for yeah. coming on for a little bit and giving us your top three. I appreciate it. You got it, brother. Anytime, Dark Side. All right, dude. I'm gonna check out your podcast and yeah, everybody that's listening to this, go uh, subscribe to it, download it, listen to it, and let Cooksey know what you think. Thanks, Cooksey. Later, Dark Side. All right, we'll see you guys later. <laughs>